0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. With the third pick in the 2020 NBA draft, the Charlotte Hornets select. LaMelo Ball from Chino Hills, California. TJ, oh,
1: oh. goodness! Stunning!
0: With the oh my goodness! Oh, I don't believe it! A 30-footer to Just stop it already!
1: What's up everyone and welcome in to another BuzzBeat. This is Richie. Hope you guys are doing well. We actually did a post-game locker room edition of BuzzBeat. Uh, following the 130-115 loss by the Hornets on the Locker Room app. And there were some technical difficulties with it. Uh, I guess if you have the app, maybe you are familiar with how it works, but you have to create a room. And if you're wanting to record the room, you've got to leave an email, which I did. Uh, But when I invited Lee Branscom of the Witch Carolina Podcast and Brian Geisinger, who was also on the conversation, they were having trouble hearing me and I couldn't hear them at all. So there was something wrong on my end. So I backed out completely of the app, then came back in and that seemed to do the trick and it fixed and we had probably a 45 minute to an hour long conversation. We had several people in the room and we even had someone speak up towards the end of the conversation about the Hornets. But uh, when it was all said and done, when they sent the file to me in my email, it only happened to be the first minute or two when I was trying to troubleshoot and I couldn't hear either Brian or Lee. So unfortunately, you won't get that conversation just because of you know a little glitch in the system there. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to rehash the conversation that Brian, myself, and Lee had following the loss to the Nets. So I think we started with Vernon Carey Jr. And he was getting the start last night Uh, with all these injuries piling up. You had Graham Hayward, obviously LaMelo, Monk. You had P.J. Washington who was out. James Borrego went with Vernon Carey Jr. who played 35 minutes last night. First four minutes, he had nine points. He had some mid-range shots. He had an above-the-break three. His first points of the game was actually on a pick-and-roll with Miles Bridges. Miles Bridges fit a nice little pocket pass, and he went up for an easy layup. The energy was good. The ball movement was good. The identity of the Charlotte Hornets was something that we've seen all season. And these players just step up, plug-and-play type of players. Yeah, obviously the offense isn't clicking like it normally does with LaMelo and Hayward and Graham and, and PJ when they're out there together. You have a kind of a, a group of mixture of G League players, players that really aren't in the rotation, combined with Terry Rozier and Miles Bridges and, and Jalen McDaniels, who's stepped onto the scene as well. And we definitely hit on Vernon Carey Jr. and his impact on the game, aggressive attacking the hoop. I thought it was it was it was great to see him be assertive in a game like this where he's getting his first start of his career in his rookie season against a team, even though that they're missing hard and that this team, the nets is clearly a top two team in the East and, and they're going to end up that way. And and if you've heard, or if you've seen Vernon Carey in some of his interviews, he's kind of a, a meek shy guy, right? So to see him out there on the basketball court, I know the basketball court doesn't always translate to the media room, but He was assertive. He was attacking the hoop, and it was great to see. And I know that James Rago came away impressed, and who knows? He may be starting again on Sunday against the Portland Trailblazers. So Cody Zeller did not play at all, coach's decision. Um, He he was dressed, to my understanding, but he did not play one single minute. So it was a combination of Vernon Carey and Biombo at the center rotation. A couple other notes from this game. Cody Martin conversation that we had in the locker room app is which Martin we prefer to have. Now, obviously, it's not a decision that we would want to make because combining both of these players, you have a little bit of the shooting from Caleb. You have the defense and the playmaking from Cody. It would it would form a solid rotational player. But both of these players have deficiencies. They have skills that are very... Pigeonholed and in, in what they can do. And Brian and myself both kind of leaned Cody Martin while Lee leaned Caleb Martin in the conversation last night. Both of those players played over 30 minutes last night, but Cody Martin had a couple of nice passes in the first quarter. He whips a pass to Miles Bridges for a corner three between, I want to say, KD and DeAndre Jordan. It just goes straight through both of their hands. And he was, had his back to the basket on the right block and kicks it out to the left corner for, for Miles Bridges. And I believe he did the same thing in the second half as well. Now, he can't shoot, and his confidence is lacking. So when he tries to run the pick and roll with the ball in his hands because he's having to do that a little bit more with some of these guards out of the lineup, the opponents can just go under, and it, and it cramps the spacing even more. That's a hindrance on his part in terms of how the Hornets' offense looks with him in there as a ball handler. Caleb, on the other hand, you know he's known to be this shooter, uh, slasher type of guy, but even he is not shooting the ball that great from deep. It's like he has one good game, and then he has three or four straight bad ones from on the arc. So both of these players, I've been posed the question before, which one do I prefer? It, again, I, I go back and forth day-to-day on both of these players. I cannot put my finger on which one I would rather have for the future. I think... I still think I would lean Cody Martin just because he is a guy that can be a pest, an on-ball pest in terms of maybe shutting down a primary. And shutting down might be a strong word, but just giving fits and, and making it difficult for opposing ball handlers to take the ball to the court and get into the offensive set. Not that Caleb isn't a scrappy type of high-energy type of guy, but Cody Martin has a little bit more of an edge to him on the defensive side. We can't forget to mention Miles Bridges in this game who had a career high, shot 72% from the field, 6 of 10 from deep, and he had 9 rebounds and 33 points for a career high. He continues to impress. I actually put out a Twitter thread the morning of the game just talking about how impressed I've come away with him and his game this season in his third year. And he continues to play well, even when some of the better players are sitting on the bench because they're injured. Some of these players feed off of those, right? They complement those players that are high usage, the players that can play make for others. And when you have to switch roles constantly because of the changing lineups and the injuries, Some players can't adjust to that. Some players are strictly a low usage, just put me in the corner, run off a couple of screens, high energy, you know, crash the offensive boards, don't put the ball in my hands type of players. But that that has not been the case with Miles Bridges. And I'll talk about him a little bit later as we had a conversation about him. So the Hornets fall to the Nets. 130-115. I will say that for the first three quarters of the game, it was close. The Hornets were down 89-94 heading into the fourth quarter. Uh, They even had a lead of 14 points at one point, I think in the first quarter, as they led 35-29 after the first quarter. But it was one of those games where KD kind of slowly inserted himself into the game. And he kind of had a quiet 25 points. He was... Eight of twelve from the field, three of five from deep, and like I mentioned before, they played this game without Harden. But you know, between Shamit and Joe Harris knocking down threes, you know, they they slowly crept back in this game and expanded the lead in the in the fourth quarter. uh, It was tough sledding for the Hornets, especially early on, because I think Brooklyn started the quarter on a twenty to five run in the fourth quarter and put this game to bed. Now that drops the Hornets to. One game under 500 at 27 and 28. Currently speaking, in the moment, they are in the eighth spot in the Eastern Conference. And we had a conversation, and it's a question that I'm sure a lot of Hornets fans are asking themselves. Right now, do we think that the Hornets can hold on and survive and stay within the play in range? Which As you guys know, or should know, that is the top 10 seeds. If you're in the top six seeds, you don't have to worry about the play-in game. And I think for a large portion of this season, especially before these injuries started to come about, I think most Hornets fans and most people that cover the team would have said, hey, you know what, this is, I, I feel confident that the Hornets could finish in the top six. At one point, the Hornets were in fourth place all by themselves. And then once when we started to see the injuries pile up, the optimism went down, the Hornets' standings went down. I think it's a very slim shot now that the Hornets finish in the top six and avoid that play-in tournament altogether. But, I mean, I I guess best-case scenario, they could... Maybe maybe seventh is a be, an, another best case scenario. I think that's like the ceiling, right? So you got the Nets, you got the Sixers, and the Bucks. Those are the top three. Uh, nobody is reaching those three, and then the next tier of teams you have the Celtics, the Hawks, and the Heat, and the Knicks. Okay, those four right there. That's that's seven teams. I do think that the Hornets could surpass one of those teams to finish in the seventh overall spot but they would have to have some luck go their way they would have to maybe have some injuries from the other teams celtics are playing well with jason tatum and Jalen brown obviously hawks have played well recently and then heat have that that pedigree i know that they're only a half a game in front of the hornets right now but again a lot of these teams have been there before And the Hornets right now with the depleted roster, uh, they're having to win games by scrapping it out. And it's going to be tough. I would say realistically, if you want to be realistic, they're going to finish eight or nine. Best case, seven. If you want to be on the pessimistic side, or maybe you can consider it realistic, they finish 10th. If you want to be real pessimistic, they finish 11th and out of the play-in tournament altogether. I don't I don't think the Bulls or the Wizards are going to catch the Hornets. I don't think the Cavs are gonna catch the Hornets. Just my personal personal feeling. Uh maybe something crazy happens. Right now Charlotte is twenty seven and twenty-eight. The Bulls, who are at an eleventh spot right now, are twenty two and thirty-three. So I mean they're five games back, but there there's only so many games left in the season. So the way that the play-in tournament works, if you're in the top six, you don't have to worry about anything. The seven and eight seed play one game to determine who is the seventh seed. So let's say the season ends today, You would have the Heat playing the Hornets. Let's just say the Heat win. Okay, They get the seventh spot. And then you have the nine and ten teams playing, the Pacers and the Raptors. Let's just say the Pacers win. Now the Pacers would advance. And they would actually play the loser of the 7-8 game, which in my scenario is the Hornets. And that would decide the 8th overall seed. So if you're in the 7th or 8th seed, traditionally the top 8 seeds in the East, you have one game to work with. So if you lose, you have a chance to redeem yourself in that next game. If you are in the 9 or 10 spot, you lose, you're out. Right? You lose that first game, you're out. Okay, There's no coming back from that. So yes a goal of the hornets should have been top six to kind of solidify their spot in the playoffs but if they get in the top seven or eight they will have a game to work with when it comes to that play in tournament and i think that's that that should be the hope that should be the realistic hope i think best case scenario they finish seventh maybe more realistic they finish eight or nine if you're going to be pessimistic they're they're either 10th or out of the play-in tournament. i i personally don't think that's going to be the case so Yes, I was actually probably more on the optimistic side. I don't know about you guys in terms of where they would finish, but I do think they're safely in the play-in tournament. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to
0: hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data,
1: yesterday was which player has been the most impressive with all these injuries compiling and we were all in agreement that it was miles bridges so for the last 8 10 games of the season when we started to see the effects of people wearing down injuries coming about we've known about the hayward and the lamello and the monk injury but Also, we've had P.J. Washington in and out of the lineup. We've had Terry Rozier in and out of the lineup. We've had Devontae Graham in and out of the lineup. And Miles Bridges has been the one constant. Just being available, like we always say, is a skill. The point that I brought up on Locker Room last night was just Miles Bridges' adaptability. And here's what I mean by that. His adaptability to one, with his role. To adjust and adapt to his role. So... Last season, he was a starter. This season, to start the season, he came off the bench. And James Borrego thought that it was best for him to come off the bench. I think he actually preferred him to play some minutes at the four. And that allowed him to do that coming off the bench. He found that synergy with LaMelo Ball. And they were a great tandem with energy, with the pick and roll, with the lob threat. Those two worked perfectly together. And he didn't miss a beat. You know, going from starter, going to the bench, he did not miss a beat. Then, LaMelo moved to the starting lineup, so he no longer had that kind of pairing. I know that James Borrego staggered lineups to where they would play together. And then, all these injuries came about, and now he's shifted back into the starter. Now, here is where, or here is why, Miles Bridges has played so well in the absence of Hayward and Monk and LaMelo. If you guys noticed from the beginning of the season, even with him coming off the bench, he had some playmaking skills that were developing and showing itself on a real level here. And they put the ball in his hands. They allowed him to run some pick and roll. They allowed him to use his athleticism in DHO. We saw that last night where he was going for a DHO and he just kept it. And as a defender, it's really tough to defend a DHO. I know that Cody Zeller runs a lot of them, but Cody Zeller isn't going to turn the corner that often and go for a drive and dunk. like he, He's doing it to get it to that guy coming out of the corner to create space for the ball handler uh, and give it to him so that guy can come around the corner. Miles Bridges has the threat of cutting to the rim. So Borrego unlocked something in the beginning of the year. I know Miles Bridges improved tremendously or maybe it was just showcased a little bit more. But the playmaking at the beginning of the year has paid dividends now to where all the playmakers are gone, or most of the playmakers are gone, and you put the ball in his hands and he can work out of the top of the key. Right. I think last year you would probably consider Miles Bridges a corner shooter, spot up shooter. Maybe use him in mismatches, you know, in the post, high low action. But he wasn't really handling the ball as much as he has this season. And I think now that we have Hayward injured and LaMelo injured and Monk injured, it's not that this is anything new because we saw it at the beginning of the season, but it's becoming more evident how important these steps that he has made as a playmaker has paid off. And I think some players, like I mentioned earlier, when, when some of these higher usage guys go down, they're their effectiveness go down and their style of play changes because they can't play in multiple roles. I think for the most part, miles bridges will never be a primary guy or a guy that you run a lot of offense for, because I I do consider him a low usage guy. You You don't want him to be the focal point of the offense, but he has proven this season that he can, he can have the ball in his hands. He can create some disadvantages Uh, for opponents as they're guarding him. And we saw that last night with that fake DHO where he just took off straight for the rim. Just wanted to throw this out. Last eight games, and this is prior to the game against the Brooklyn Nets, the last eight games leading up to last night's game, he was shooting 60% from two, 71% at the rim, and getting there a lot, 44% from three, and then more specifically, 62% from the corner threes. His three-point shot this year has been the biggest revelation, and he's been doing it off the bounce, and he's been doing it off the catch, and like I said, the more you have the ball in your hands, some players can't play off the pull-up game, right? They're strictly, you know, second-side shooters. Let the ball move from side to side. Let the defense collapse. Catch and shoot an open shot. Miles Bridges has been shooting threes off the bounce this year, which is just crazy to see because that's not something that we kind of would have projected after watching him in his first couple of seasons. And I'll say this, PJ Washington is having a down year. I think I've said this before. He can look directly at Miles Bridges for his career path. Nobody's career is, is linear, right? There's ups, there's downs. There's going to be some times where you go through stretches where it feels like you're a world beater, and it's going to be some times, especially early on, where it feels like you should be at the end of the bench. Uh, PJ has not been his most effective self this year, but I think the hope among the Hornets fan base should not be lost, because if you heard or, or saw some of the things that people were saying about Miles Bridges last year, about you know how iffy they were on his future, well, I, I'm sure a lot of people have changed their tune. So I, I think he's been the most... Impressive player in the absence of all these playmakers. We also had the conversation last night as to who was not the least impressive, but more so which player is hampered and their style is hampered by the play style. I don't think he's the only player by any means that is hampered by these injuries, but Terry Rozier clearly plays better when LaMelo is out there, when Hayward is out there, when Devontae is out there. We saw this last season where he came in first season with the Hornets as a primary point guard type of player, if you want to call it that. I never viewed him that way, but that's the way that he was situated in those first 10 games. Then you had Devontae Graham come in at the 11th game of the season, and that shifted Rozier off ball. And that, where, that is where we saw his catch-and-shoot numbers really take off. And to me, I mean, I, I don't think many could argue this, that he's a top-five catch-and-shoot three-point shooter in the past couple of years. I think Joe Harris, who we saw last night, is definitely up there. But Rozier may not be the best catch-and-shoot shooter over the past couple of years, but that is something that's, that's been a big revelation. And I think the way that... The way that this team is situated right now, the way that this team is constructed, he is going to play best when he plays off of Hayward, when he plays off of Ball, when he plays off of Graham. To me, his shooting numbers have not been that great in the past eight to ten games. Last night, he did shoot the ball a little bit better. He had a couple of bank shots off the glass. Uh, He still struggled from behind the arc. But again, I think that's partly due to how teams are scouting the Hornets. They know that there's not a lot of offensive firepower, and the firepower does typically come from Rozier. But now that he doesn't have those other players to play off of, you know, there's, there, like I said, there's more cramped spacing within the paint, and he's being a little bit indecisive in what he has to do. I think he's improved a whole lot from last season and, and you know, in that in between game. But. Yeah, to me, the injuries are kind of hampering his play more than anyone on this team. It's not a slight at him as a player. It's more of a slight on the fact that this Hornets team is so decimated with injuries and he can't be the best player out there on the court because of all the the scouting report, the attention, and just the style of play where you don't want the ball in his hands. You want him to come off of screens, off of Iverson cuts, off of floppy action, get him freed up where he can just catch and shoot. Uh, it feels like he's probably playing a little bit too much with the ball in his hands. But again, that's just the situation that the Hornets are in right now. So we had all this conversation last night on the locker room app. We also had another question that came in for someone that was unable to make it, and he basically mentioned that during the mock draft and during the draft season of when Miles was drafted a couple years ago for the Hornets a lot of the comparisons were between Miles Bridges and, and Blake Griffin and he said how do we think that he's going to fare did you think he'll stack up to Blake Griffin when it's all said and done we talked about how comparisons are are just so 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 tough sometimes because when i make comparisons I do it so more so on style of play than I do production because you, you can have a guy that averages 10 and 6 and another guy that averages 10 and 6, but they play completely different. So it's tough. Comparisons are hard. And there are some similarities between Miles and Blake Griffin. And it's a very appropriate question, as the Hornets did play the Nets last night. Miles and Blake... The, the first thing that jumps off to you as a similarity is clearly the athleticism, and, and Lee and, and Brian gave me a hard time last night for saying that I actually think that Miles Bridges is a better in-game dunker than Blake Griffin. I don't pretend to forget how much of a highlight factor he was, but I know it might be recency bias, but... I think Miles Bridges is the better in-game dunker than Blake Griffin, but that's the that's the first key comparison there where both of these guys are off the charts when it comes to athleticism. I actually think that Miles Bridges is a better shooter earlier in his career. Blake Griffin did not expand his game to the outside until like a handful of years in. And I think that's partially or mostly due to the style of play in the NBA. Miles is coming in to a time where you're required or you're basically asked to shoot more threes as a three, a four, a five and try to stretch the floor. So he's he's known that coming into his career in the NBA where where Blake Griffin was so powerful with his back to the basket he was a he was a bruiser he had all the power that was that's the one thing that Blake Griffin clearly has over Miles Bridges we saw last season where they ran some stuff for miles in the post but it was never like an overpowering type of thing it was more of a finesse thing so that's kind of where the comparison stops like it's it's so hard to compare these two players we don't think that miles is going to reach the production of a blake griffin i guess when you do make comparisons it's very hard to do but you do see the the slight similarities they they're both good passers as well blake griffin to me is more of like a stationary passer you put him at the high post you put him at the block with his back to the basket and he can make things happen he's a very good passer he's always been a very good passer Miles, on the other hand, while he gets a little wild and out of control, but he's he's a passer that can do it on the run. I think that's something that Blake Griffin has, but maybe not to the extent that, that Miles did coming in. So we appreciate the question. It's so hard to do comparisons when it's all said and done. I, I don't think Miles will reach the level of Blake Griffin. All right, we're going to try to do more of these post-game locker room apps We may even do one on Tuesday when they play the Knicks. The next two games coming up are the Trailblazers tomorrow, Sunday at 7 p.m. And then on Tuesday, like I said, the Hornets are playing the Knicks. It's going to be a big one. The Knicks are playing well right now. They're six and four in their last 10 games. They've won five straight. Uh, Julius Randle had 40 some points last night, and they're sitting at 30 and 27. So. A lot of games coming up against teams that are kind of in that mix in the Eastern Conference. I do wonder if the Hornets are going to be regretting the fact that they lost to the Hawks without Trey Young, that they lost to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Some of these games you're just not going to be able to get back. And I know that they've been decimated with injuries, but you got to win the games that you're supposed to win because games like last night against the Nets, even with Harden out, you're just not expected to win. right? You're you're double-digit underdogs. Uh, they played well for three quarters, and they brought the energy, but it just wasn't enough for a team that as talented as the Nets. So we'll see how the Hornets fare in the uh, next couple of weeks. Uh, it's going to be very telling. I do wonder if they start to slip even more, if people are going to start talking about the lottery and just missing the play-in game altogether. We will see. We will see. I think this Hornets team is a scrappy bunch. Players are stepping up. People are filling in. Roles are being shifted around. I'm a little bit more optimistic that this team can kind of stay in that 7 eight, 9 spot, but again, the, the Eastern Conference has been so weird this year from that 4-10 to 10 range. Who knows what can happen, and it, all it takes is a five-game winning streak like the Knicks, and you can propel yourself up a couple spots. So I will talk to you guys later. Have a good Saturday, and go Hornets.